What a blessed Sunday, eh? What a blessed Sunday. And, and uh, do you know, it just goes to show us that actually, even though um, we didn't get to meet in this building for so long, that, you know, God's kingdom is still advancing and the gates of hell will never prevail against the Lord's church from growing. So, Lord, we thank you for this morning. And, Father, we just pray as we gather around your word now that you would open our hearts to it. Father, we would be hearers of the word, but also doers. Lord, we give you thanks for all the blessings you have bestowed upon us, Lord, from the, the harvest offerings and the multitude and the, the gracious donations that have been given, Lord. Father, we thank you for them. We thank you for new life. We thank you for Kira and for, for Amy as well, Lord, and standing up and saying, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. We pray that you sustain them in their walk, Lord. We thank you for uh, Craig and Claire and Danny and Helen and leading them to be part of our church here. We just pray heaven's blessing upon them. And as Abby looks to, to open a new chapter in her life, we pray that you would go with her and before her. And Lord, that she would know that she has a church here in Sandy Hills that love, loves her, is praying for her, and is cheating her on. So God be with us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to read from God's word in Revelations chapter 5. Um, Revelation chapter 5, we're going to read the whole chapter, verse 1 down to verse 14. Um, and just as you, you're looking for that, I know that some folks, when they, when they look to um, give a harvest offering, um, they, they'd rather give a, a monetary donation. And if that's you, then there is a wee offering plate. And as you're leaving the church, you're welcome to, to do that, if that's as you have been led this morning. Um, but a huge, again, thank you for the incredible generosity that we've seen this morning in our donations. So let's, let's read Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 down to verse 14 and we're thinking about the bride being bought with precious blood and then i saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back sealed with seven seals and i saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals and no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each upholding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. They shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. 
And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders found, fell down and worshipped. Amen. Um, the, I, I, I love uh, the book of Revelation and there is so, so much in it. Um, there's, you might be sitting there going, what in the world is seven horns and seven eyes? And uh, some of the language is, is, is symbolic and it points to, to different things. So, um, for example, when it talks about the, the seven spirits of God, uh, that, that, that we read elsewhere in Revelation is talking about the Holy Spirit. So um, we, we're not going to get too caught up in a lot of the, the symbolic language this morning. We want to look um, at what is the center point of this passage, and that is the Lamb. That is the lamb. But before we do that, there's just one wee thing I want to point out. And it's so, um, it's so beautiful this morning that, that Kira has decided to stand up, be baptized, and profess her faith. There's a wee verse in here that I love, which talks about this uh, bowl of incense that is full of incense. Uh, and we read it, it's the, the prayers of the saints. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you have prayed a prayer for someone and you've not seen it, been answered yet it's been stored in heaven as a bowl of incense and actually we have seen mrs anderson's prayer some of her prayers come to be answered this morning with kira standing and giving her heart unto the lord which is such a beautiful thing so be encouraged this morning if there's people you've been praying for situations you've been praying for god has not forgotten them but in his perfect timing he will answer them in his perfect way and it's just such a beautiful image to see that they've been stored, these prayers of the saints, as full incense in a golden bowl. This morning has been such a blessing. It's such a joy in ministry to see when people um, come to know the Lord for the first time. It's such a joy to be part of what God is doing. And to see even just the, gracious, uh, the graciousness and the generosity of our congregation in this incredible offering. I mean, this isn't all of it. There's some that are stored behind the table. There's some that are stored behind the pulpit. There's some that are stored in the vestry. It's just been incredible to see. There's a verse I want to read, though, from John chapter 12, and it's going to appear in your screen. And this is what it says. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. It bears much fruit. And in that verse in John, Jesus is talking about himself. He's talking about himself. And Jesus' original hearers, they understood what Jesus was meaning here. That actually for there to be a harvest, a seed needs to die in the ground to be able to flourish and give of what it has. And he aptly links this to his own death. His death would bring forth a harvest. Jesus talks about the, the fields being as white unto harvest. So just as we think, and we've, we've offered our harvest offering this morning, about the, the, the harvest our own world offers and produces, I want us to think of a really significant, and I would say a far more significant harvest this morning. The harvest that is possible because of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The harvest of souls that we've celebrated this morning. 
And next Sunday, we're going to come to the Lord's table and celebrate communion. And I want us this morning, because it will happen at the beginning of the service, I want us to begin to prepare our hearts for coming to the Lord's table and think about what he has done so that that harvest of souls is possible. How it's possible for us to come to the Lord's table. Revelation is a vision that John sees. Uh, And he goes through different parts of this vision. And in chapters 4 and 5, what we have is John has been taken to the throne room. And he is seeing this throne. And then we read off that although there's one central throne, and it's at the center point of the vision, there are these other thrones that are around it. There's 24 of them to be specific. And it's symbolic of the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. That actually everything is, is leading towards this throne, this one throne. This one throne is the central attraction that, that all attention, that all worship, that all, um, that all gazement is meant to be focused on this one central throne. John's focus had been on the throne and the one who was seated on the throne in chapter 4. But then he is drawn to the scroll that the one on the throne is sitting on that he is holding in his hand. So we read that in verse 1. The one seated on the throne had a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. You go on in Revelation and you see what these seals are. But this morning we're going to think specifically about this scroll. What is this scroll that the one seated on the throne was holding? The scroll represented God's plan of history from eternity to eternity. And the plan of salvation that he had for mankind. Effectively what it is, is the deeds, the title deeds to the earth. One of the things that's helpful for Revelation is if you begin to read the Old Testament more, you begin to see some of the symbolism that John is pulling on and alluding to. And let me draw attention quickly to Jeremiah chapter 32. And it helps shed some light on the importance of the scroll, so please bear with me. In Jeremiah 32, we read of this Jewish law that was in place. That meant that if somebody lost the land that they owned, if they'd fallen behind on payments or they owed a debt, the land could be taken off them because of that. But in Jeremiah 32, we see of this law that was in place that pointed to and allowed the the, the space for the redemption of that land. Because the land for the people of Israel was such an important thing. It was all connected to the promise that God had given them. You know, he led them into a promised land. Then we see that the tribes of Israel, um, the land is divided up and it's given to each of the tribes. So it is something that's really important. It wasn't just about, you know, that it had a nice scenery on it, but actually it was connected to this promise that God had given them as his people. So if you fell behind in your payments for whatever you were in debt, your land could be taken off you as a payment for it. But in Jewish law, there was the space and the scope for if that was the case, that one day you could buy back that land. But also, amazingly, if you couldn't afford it yourself, 
your next of kin or your heir after a specific period of time could actually purchase the land back so it comes back into your family. God asks Jeremiah in chapter 32 of Jeremiah to do this exact thing for his cousin. His cousin had lost his land and God said to Jeremiah, I want you to redeem the land that your cousin had lost. Now, why am I telling you this? When the land was taken off you, two scrolls are written up. And effectively what I had was, uh, one was for public use and the other was taken, it was sealed and it was placed in the temple. And when that day of redemption came where your next of kin or your heir wanted to buy back your land, the priest would have to go into the temple, take out the scroll, open up and read back that actually this was all part of the, that was in place for the plan for, so it came back into the family. There is a beautiful analogy we see here. In Revelation chapter 5 with Jeremiah 32. When God created the earth, he gave the earth to Adam to have dominion over it, we read. But Adam sinned and actually he was in debt and he lost it to Satan. And what we have in Revelation 5 is very simply and very beautifully the story of our redemption as God's people. The story of redemption by, as the New Testament calls him, the second Adam, the Redeemer, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So there was this scroll that needed to be opened up so redemption could be possible. But we see the problem that there was in verse 2 of Revelation, where this mighty angel proclaims with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? Effectively, what the angel is asking here is, Who is there that is worthy that can redeem mankind? Who is there that can stand in the gap and be the one that brings redemption, that opens up God's plan of salvation history for the world? Who is there that is worthy to do that? The problem was that not one of us was worthy. We couldn't do it ourselves. We were stuck. And what we see here, and we see it from John's response, there is like there's no hope when this question was asked. Who's worthy? Who can do it? Who can be the redeemer? Who can bring redemption? Just shows and displays the utter helplessness of our world. Look around us. So many people who have so much in life now, but are still so unhappy. Why? Because they spend their life trying to open the scroll themselves. With worldly pleasures, they try and fix that one issue that unites us all. That all have sinned. And it brings separation between us and God. And to this question about who is worthy, what is the response? Verse 3, no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. This cry comes from heaven who is worthy to open this scroll no one on earth not one man not a political leader not a world leader could open the scroll not even one of the angels there was no one who was worthy 
And, and, and what we see here from this list that's given is basically there was no one worthy from the created order. There's no one who had been created that was worthy to redeem mankind, to open the scroll. That's why we sing at Christmas, begotten, not created. And what's this response that John has when he hears that there's no one coming forth to say, do you know what? I'll do it. I'll open the scroll. What is his response? Verse four. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. We see the impact that this has, that this lack of response has on John, the distress that it brings him. This, some translations would say that he wept and he wept, or he wept loudly, or he wailed. This wasn't just, you know, a wee teary-eyed moment. This was a distressing moment because he knew what was at stake here. He understood that if no one opens this scroll, then there is no hope. If no one opens this scroll, then there's no salvation. If no one opens this scroll, then there's no redeemer. What are we going to do? And he weeps and he weeps. He weeps loudly. And he wails. He would have been brought up with this notion that one day, John, don't worry. There's someone coming who's going to be the Redeemer. There's someone coming who's going to be the Messiah. There's someone coming who's going to stand in the gap for my people. But what he sees here is actually there's no one coming forth. The distress that, 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 that this brought upon him. He just felt helpless. He felt hopeless. Maybe we would weep and would have wept if we understood the gravity of what it meant if this scroll had never been opened. <clears throat> like I said, without the scroll being opened, there was no redemption. Without the scroll being opened, there would be no communion table next Sunday that we could sit around as God's people. We would still have been under the weight of our sin, under the curse of our sins. Just the thought of not being able to be his. The thought of, of having no hope in life. The thought of having no hope of eternal life. The fear of knowing that I would never be able to feel the embrace of God the Father. Sends chills down my spine. But thank you Jesus. Sorrow may last for a night. But joy comes in the morning. Because John's distress is interrupted in verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered. So that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. John's wailing is interrupted by this elder with two titles and a declaration. The line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has conquered. From no hope to lasting hope, he has conquered. And this morning, God says to you, weep no more. There is hope for your life. There is peace for your storm. John, stop wailing, the elder says. 
Stop wailing. There is one who is worthy. He is worthy because he has conquered. He has done it. It is finished. He is worthy to open the scroll. He can bring about the promises of God. We can now say the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus because he is worthy to open the scroll. The line of the tribe of Judah, the elder says, this points back to Jacob, one of his sons, when he's, Jacob's giving his blessing. Uh, and he, he says to Judah that from you will come forth a lion. There'll be leadership that will come from your tribe. Which eventually we saw King David come from. But there was a much greater king coming than King David. The king of kings and lord of lords would come from that line as well. But here we see as well this root of David. This other messianic title, the root of David, just as it would come from Judah forth, this lion who would come from that tribe. The one who was coming was also the root of David as well. Not just the fruit of that line, but he was the root of that line. And here we have the doctrine, this really important doctrine of the pre-existence of Christ. That he was not created, but he was begotten. The Messiah was both at one and the same time the root and the offspring of David. Because in his incarnation, Jesus became both fully God and fully man. And because of his life and death and resurrection... The elder could say, he's conquered. And John is told it's this lion. Behold, the lion has conquered. But he looks up in verse 6. And what is it he sees? Does he see a lion? No. He sees a lamb standing as though it had been slain. With seven horns. The horns just point to might or mightiness. And the number seven is like completion complete might and power this lamb had as though it had been slain with seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God and again like I said the seven spirits of God is just a, a symbolic of the Holy Spirit and it just points to the unity that we have within the Trinity he looks up and he sees this lamb he's told about a lion but he sees before him a lamb standing as though it had been slain in these two verses, in verses 5 and verses 6, what we have is presented to us the majesty, the power, and the might of Jesus as lion. But also we have the meekness, the innocence, and the sacrifice he endured as the lamb who was led to the slaughter for his people. Jesus conquered by setting aside his glory. Jesus is the lion and the lamb. He has been given all power, all dominion, because he went as a lamb to the slaughter for his people. And the word that John, the phrase John uses for had been slain is, 
It shows this past event that had, taken, that had already taken place. So he'd already been slain. But we don't read of this lifeless lamb that's lying on the floor. But we read of this lamb that's standing there. He's already been slain. Past tense. But what's amazing about the Greek is that actually the effectiveness of that slain lamb is still present today. Although it was a moment that happened in history, the power and the effectiveness of the slain lamb is still at work and is still as powerful today. And we can see with all hope and with all certainty there is wonder-working power in the power of the lamb and in the blood of the lamb. It is so beautiful to see. And he has conquered. That's why he could say he's conquered. Because he went like a lamb to the slaughter. But the grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't keep him. And he is risen victorious. He is risen victorious. And he's already enthroned as the lamb and as the lion. It is still wonder working power in the blood of the lamb. And this lamb that had been slain, he goes and he takes the scroll. Verses 7 and 8. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. This lamb that had already been slain goes forth. And takes the scroll from the hand of the one on the throne. And what's amazing is everyone else who approaches or even tries to go near the throne in heaven. Falls on their face in worship or covers their face. But not the lamb. He goes forward and he takes the scroll. Why? Because the lamb is as much God as the one who is sitting on the throne. He set aside his glory, but in his ascension, in his coronation, he's given all power and might. And as he takes this scroll, because he is worthy, all of heaven falls down before him and worships. Only God can say this world is mine because I created it. This world is mine. I have redeemed it. And Jesus Christ is the heir of all things. And we get to share in his inheritance. And we are washed by the blood of the Lamb. And they fall down. And what do they do? They sang a new song. And they sing about the worthiness of the one who took the scroll. This verse just makes me think of the psalmist in Psalm 40. He put a new song in my mouth, our God to magnify. Many shall see it and shall fear and on the Lord rely. Worthy are you to take the scroll. Worthy are you because you went to the cross of Calvary. You went to the grave, but the grave didn't hold you. You rose again and you've ascended triumphantly. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood 
you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Friends, that is the hope of the gospel in a nutshell. That is what Jesus has done for his people. And if you are not in Christ this morning, this is the hope that the gospel presents to you. That you can be washed by the blood of the lamb and be seated and have a hope and a future. Because of what Jesus has done. The one who is worthy. The darling of heaven who was crucified. Who shed his blood. He shed his blood for me. And he shed his blood for you. The one who was worthy was spat at. He was beaten. He was mocked and whipped. He was nailed to a cross and hung on a tree. And truly we should ask the question because he is so worthy, the darling of heaven. We should be led to ask that question. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused him pain. That's why he went there. It's because of me. Because of my wrongdoings. Because of the things I've messed up in life. Died he for me who caused his pain. The darling of heaven. Set aside his glory so that I could be called a child of God. For me who him to death pursued. Such was his love for you. Such was his love for you. That he conquered the grave and was worthy to open the scroll. So that you could know redemption. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? And because the Lamb took the scroll, there can be a new song. There can be a new heaven. There can be a new earth. There can be a new Jerusalem. And there can be new creations that we've celebrated this morning through gospel fruit in Kira and Amy's life. He shed his blood and we see the harvest of souls, not just from Sandy Hills Parish Church, but from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. His dominion is over the whole world. Look at the vastness of that harvest. Look at the vastness of that harvest and the hope that we have. And just in closing... Look at the response to the lamb taking the scroll, verses 11 onwards. This innumerable number of people, myriads of myriads, thousands of thousands, they say to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. What else can we say? What other response is there? To the Lamb. And worthy is the Lamb who is slain for my sins, sacrificed so I and you could be redeemed. See, friends, many of us in the church are okay with gentle Jesus. We're okay with the one in the manger, the one who no crying he makes. Thanks be to God, that's not who our Savior stays as. Here we see him as bloodied Jesus, 
the conquering king. We need to move past the cuteness and the gentleness of the manger to the cruelness and the gruesomeness of the cross and ultimately to the conquering and the glory of the throne room because he's worthy. And this is a present reality. This praise is happening in this very moment. Heaven at this very moment is singing this new song, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb. Because the lamb's blood is victorious. He has shed his blood as the lamb and he is the lion and the lamb right now. And when we praise him, we're not just saying some nice words to some nice melodies. But actually what's happening is we have the opportunity to join in with the choruses and praise and this new song that is taking place in heaven around the throne right now as God's people. We get to be part of the realest of real realities, the conquering king being praised. In worship, the chorus of God's people here on earth gets to participate in the praise of heaven. Last thing, verse 14. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. The four living creatures is symbolic for the whole of creation. The only hope we have in this life is that the throne has conquered the grave. That there is one who is worthy. His name is Jesus and he is the lion and the lamb. And what is the right response? Amen. Amen. So be it. May this be our response. May we join in with the chorus of heaven in the exaltation of the Lamb in proclaiming that he is worthy. And as we look, God willing, to celebrate communion next Sunday, and as we see the harvest of souls, let us remember that it's only by the shed blood of the Lamb who was worthy to open the scroll that we can come. Let's pray. Lord, our response is amen. So be it. Jesus, you are worthy. You are the lion and the lamb. You were the only one who was worthy to redeem us. Thank you that we can say this morning that it is our redeemer, Jesus, God's own son, Lord, we thank you for this morning. What a blessing it has been to us. We thank you that heaven is rejoicing as sinners come to faith and repentance in Jesus. And Lord, as we look, God willing, to approach the Lord's table next Sunday, would we once again be washed by the blood of the Lamb, knowing that it's not because we have anything in and of ourselves that we come, but it's because that thankfully, there is one who is worthy to open the scroll. The lamb who was slain, but who is conquering right now. Praise be to you. Amen. August, amen. So be it.